Normal broadcasting has been discontinued. Coming to you from Portland, Oregon. The sports business capital of North America. Keep your radio tuned to this frequency. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. Now, your host. I tell you, I've never seen anything like that guy. Brian Berger. Well, thanks for checking out the only show in the country dedicated to covering the business side of sports. Glad you could join us this week. In segment three, we've got Sweet Success, sponsored by Moose Tracks Ice Cream, coming up. The WWE, they go toe-to-toe with the NBA this week, and there are Sweet Success winners. We'll tell you about that. I'm also going to share with you some insight from my very interesting week. You know, when I'm not hosting this show, I'm a publicist, and... Very interesting case study that I'll share with you from my experience in the PR world this last week. In segment four, Paul Swangard, he's the managing director of the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon. He's going to stop by. We'll discuss a number of different topics. One of the things I want to talk to him about, the release of Michael Vick from prison. He's on house arrest and the future of Michael Vick. We're reading that Vick may... Uh, get involved with the Humane Society. He's going to do a number of different things to try and rehabilitate his image. We'll discuss those with Paul Swangard in segment four. A couple of other notes. Visit my Sports Business blog or download the SBR podcast on demand. Just go to sportsbusinessradio.com. You can become our Facebook friend or follow me via Twitter. Just visit the blog at sportsbusinessradio.com. Link to the Sports Business Radio Facebook and Twitter pages. I'm joined in studio by Nathan Roach. And by Bobby Corser. Nathan, uh, the NFL made a ton of news this week. Finally, a deal done between the NFL Network and Comcast. We'll talk about that. But then the Super Bowl has a home for 2013. And it's not Florida. It's not Arizona. It's not California. It's a different place in a place that uh, has hosted a number of Super Bowls, but uh, a little bit of a surprise. Well, I don't want to give away the location yet. We'll let the listeners stay tuned. But uh, it's always surprising. We talk on the show in the past about how it's always in those nice weather places like uh, Florida, like Arizona. And uh, it's nice to see it move around the country a little bit, show a little love to other parts of the country. The other big news this week, Major League Baseball and Fox have gotten together, and there will be a different World Series start time. And it's going to be a little bit earlier, but I don't think it's early enough, and I'll give you my thoughts on that. So we've got lots of headlines coming up next. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. This is Brian Berger from Sports Business Radio. I know many of our listeners dream of a job in the sports industry but don't know where to begin. To me, it's an easy call. Go where sports business education got its start, at the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon. As the first business school in the country to offer undergraduate and graduate programs themed around this multi-billion dollar industry, the Warsaw Center offers a unique blend and strong general business training. Sports business curriculum taught by industry experts and rich out-of-classroom experiences, including real-world consulting projects, study tours, and internships. With a strong industry and alumni network and a staff dedicated to accelerating your career, the Warsaw Center has a proven track record of placing students in teams, league offices, corporate sponsors, marketing agencies, sports media, and sports shoe and apparel firms. But like any elite team, there's only a few spots on the roster. To learn more, visit sportsbusinessradio.com for a link to the center's website. The Warsaw Sports Marketing Center. Passion, integrity, and leadership in sports business education. 
back to Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. It's time for this week's Sports Business Radio headline, sponsored by the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon. Visit warsawcenter.com for more information. Headline number one, Major League Baseball and Fox, as part of an agreement unveiled this week, have set the first pitch for all weekend postseason games on the network at 7.57 p.m. Eastern Time. So, Saturday night games will start no later than weeknight games and possibly earlier. This is interesting, Nathan, because, you know, the ratings for the World Series have not been that great. There's been a complaint for a number of years now that the games start too late on the East Coast. Kids aren't able to watch the games. People are just getting off work on the West Coast. I still say, look, I remember back in the day when I was a kid growing up that you would watch day games. I mean, I want to see day games. I say bring it back even earlier, but these are the earliest start times in a long, long time. Um, Gosh, I think it's 35 years. The earliest start time since 1975 for weekend World Series games. You remember that back uh, 35 years ago? Well, I remember (laughs) what what I do remember is I remember like the, the championships, the league championships, not the World Series. But I still say... You know, I remember watching the day games, and I just think that these games start too late for the kids who want to watch the games. you got to start it, especially on the weekend, play a Saturday day game. We don't need to have primetime games, especially now because on Fox you've got American Idol and you've got all their other programming that makes all that money for them. You know, Major League Baseball should try and flex their muscles a little bit and get these uh, programs moved aside. Well, we're spoiled here on the West Coast. I mean, that's not that early for, not that late for us, you know, for a 5 o'clock game. But then those games start to go into 9 o'clock p.m. on the West Coast, and you're thinking about the fact that it's after midnight on the East Coast trying to watch the uh, postseason play. To secure the earlier start times, Fox Sports needed approval from more than 200 affiliates and 27 owned and operated stations, which air their programming from 7.30 to 8 p.m., So this was a very complex deal. This wasn't just Major League Baseball and Fox getting together saying, hey, let's start a little earlier. Our next headline, the NFL owners voted on Tuesday to play the 2013 Super Bowl in New Orleans. The first time the championship will be played there since Hurricane Katrina shredded parts of the Louisiana Superdome. The hurricane caused 1,600 deaths and devastated the Gulf Coast four years ago. Now, New Orleans beat out Miami which saw a record 11th Super Bowl and 2008 host Glendale. This is the 10th time that New Orleans will be a Super Bowl site. So New Orleans has hosted the game, but they haven't hosted it since Katrina. The hotel rooms, uh, they have a lot of hotel rooms, but not as many as in places like Florida and Arizona and California. So it's an interesting choice. A lot of people thought this was a sentimental choice by Roger Goodell and the league. Maybe not the best choice, though. No, it is a sentimental choice. And I think that it's tough because, you know, we've talked on the show recently about the fact that the Saints might not even be in New Orleans in the not-so-distant future. You know, I think it's nice to see the Super Bowl in a different location like New Orleans. But I want to see the Super Bowl in Chicago and locations like that somewhere else around the country. It doesn't have to be warmer weather. It can be somewhere cold. All right, our next headline, Comcast and the NFL said Tuesday they had reached an agreement for the nation's largest cable operator to carry the football channel on its second most popular digital cable tier. 
The deal spans 10 years, would cost Comcast $0.40 cents to $0.45 cents per subscriber to get the NFL Network. That's down from the NFL's previous asking price of $0.70. Cents. By August 1st, the NFL Network will be carried throughout Comcast service areas on a programming package called Digital Classic, which has about 10 million subscribers. The agreement ends a fight that began in 2006 after Comcast announced that it was moving the NFL Network from a digital tier of service with 8.6 million subscribers to a sports programming package that costs $8 a month extra and has 2 million subscribers. So, guys, they're going from 2 million subscribers to 10 million subscribers on Comcast. And that's not the only news with NFL and TV this week, they're nearing extensions with both CBS and Fox that would see the longtime rights holders maintain their partnerships through the 2013 season. The deals are for a 3 to 5% increase in rights fees and guarantee each net an extra Super Bowl broadcast. And finally, Tony Kornheiser out on Monday Night Football. John Gruden in. I like it. I don't like it. I liked Tony Kornheiser, and he was one of the few guys I'd say in the last 10 years on Monday Night Football that I actually enjoyed listening to. Here's what will be interesting. John Gruden isn't nearly as uh, personable as John Madden, but I think he's every bit as smart and knowledgeable about the game of football, and I'll be very interested to see how he does and how long he sticks around. And Maybe we never see John Gruden walking the sidelines again, and we know him more 10, 15 years from now as a TV broadcaster than as a Super Bowl-winning coach. Well, you know, here's the thing that I liked about Tony Kornheiser. I wasn't a big fan of Dennis Miller, but they have those anecdotes. They're comedians. They're funny. They add a little bit to the booth. People don't watch Monday Night Football for uh, comedy. They watch it for insight into the game. Ron Jaworski, very insightful. You know, Tariko's kind of the the guy who gets— you through the game and does the good play-by-play, and I think Gruden and Jaworski will make the game uh, very easy to understand for everyone. Look, let me just put it out there. If ESPN wants to increase their ratings, put Aaron Andrews on Monday Night Football. I saw a poll this week on ESPN.com. I thought, I thought people wanted to watch it for the football. Well, and not but, for, hold but, on. but look, you know, you're saying, how do you increase interest? And I saw a poll this week on ESPN.com. 62% of the respondents said they would watch more Monday Night Football if Aaron Andrews was on instead of John Gruden or any other commentator that they would come up with. And then they'd lose their uh, female audience. Yes, I guess so. All right. Last Saturday's Preakness Stakes drew 77,000 fans. That's down 31% from last year's crowd of 112,000. Now, the good news was was that NBC's ratings were up big time. And, you know, more people are watching horse racing through the first two races than have watched in a number of years, Nathan. Well, yeah, I mean, the the, the surprising thing about this is in the past, I mean, in, in just three years ago, you had horses that before the uh, Kentucky Derby even took place were already being talked about as legitimate contenders for the Triple Crown. And it hasn't been that way the last couple years. Nobody really knew about any of these horses before the Kentucky Derby, and yet ratings are up. NBC earned a 6.3 overnight rating. That's up 24% from last year. It's also the highest rating since 1990. So we're talking, my math is correct, 19 years. And, you know, again, horse racing, I don't think anyone thought Mind That Bird was going to win this next race. And, Bobby, I know you've got thoughts, but... You know, I don't know who sticks around and watches the last leg of the Triple Crown now because 
there is going to be no triple crown candidate. You know, I, I think it's the fact that they're still going to watch the horse, as we talked about before. But listen, Mind That Bird only came within a, a full length, you know, a little bit you know, longer than that, of winning the second race. And again, had another amazing comeback. But I don't know. It's going to be tough for that final, that final leg. All right, our next headline. Should Rim co-CEO, that's BlackBerry, Jim Balselli be allowed to purchase the Coyotes? He is willing to let the team play one more season in Glendale, Arizona. Provided the NHL pays for any losses the team incurs and approves the club's relocation to Hamilton, Ontario. The offering was disclosed in a filing earlier this week. Serves as the latest wrinkle in the ongoing dogfight between Balselli and the NHL over the Coyotes. Look, it basically, Balselli has made a much better offer, almost twice as much as what Jerry Reinsdorf has made. The NHL wants the Coyotes to stay in Phoenix. This is going to be interesting to see how this all plays out. Well, the NHL is probably going to be paying him the difference in what his losses are because I can't see the Coyotes making money. Our last headline of the week, golfer Phil Mickelson suspended his PGA Tour schedule indefinitely after his wife Amy was diagnosed with breast cancer this week. Obviously, our hearts go out to the Mickelson family. We wish uh, his wife Amy a quick recovery and Hopefully uh, everything works out well for the Mickelson family. I saw Tiger Woods uh, expressed his sympathies this week as well, and I thought that was very classy. So the tour will miss Phil Mickelson and also Amy Mickelson, who's one of the most vocal wives and one of the most charitable wives out there on the tour. All right, coming up next, Sweet Success, sponsored by Moose Tracks Ice Cream. It's our weekly segment where we look at someone from the sports business world that's doing something successful, and I'll tell you, It was unorthodox, but the WWE, they took on the NBA this week, and I kind of like how they came out at the end of the day. We'll talk about that next. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. Hi, this is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. I've got a confession to make. I'm a sucker for good ice cream. There's nothing better than watching a sporting event while enjoying an ice cream cone, or better yet, fixing an ice cream sundae with my daughter. Lucky for me, I found an indulgent ice cream at an affordable price. Moose Tracks ice cream comes in a variety of flavors, including chocolate moose tracks, extreme moose tracks, mint moose tracks, and of course, original moose tracks, just to name a few. What's my favorite moose tracks ice cream flavor? It's chocolate moose tracks which is chocolate ice cream with peanut butter cups and famous Moose Tracks fudge. For a chocoholic and peanut butter lover like me, it's heaven. What's your favorite Moose Tracks flavor? To find the Moose Tracks branded store nearest you, check out the store locator at moosetracks.com. That's M-O-O-S-E-T-R-A-C-K-S dot com. Or find the Moose Tracks banner on our website at sportsbusinessradio.com. Moose Tracks ice cream, the official ice cream of Sports Business Radio. Success. I have great news for you. How sweet it is. Right on, sweet sister. Time to highlight a winning move from the world of sports business. Oh, man, that's sweet. Sports Business Radio presents Sweet Success. That'd be sweet. Brought to you by Moose Tracks Ice Cream. To find Moose Tracks at a store near you, check out the store locator at moosetracks.com. Well, there's an old saying, any publicity is good publicity. Well, the WWE this week got a lot of publicity. And Nathan, you know, I'll tell you, they took on the NBA and specifically uh, Denver Nuggets owner Stan Kroenke. And 
in a nutshell, here's what was supposed to happen. There's a big WWE event scheduled to take place in the same arena, the Pepsi Center, that the Denver Nuggets play in. Well, the Denver Nuggets are in the Western Conference Finals. People didn't know they were going to be in the Western Conference Finals. The WWE said, wait a minute. We had our event scheduled on the same night you've got Game 4 scheduled of the Western Conference Finals in Denver. So the WWE and the Nuggets and the NBA have been going at it all week. It's been a war of words between Vince McMahon with the WWE, people from the NBA, Nuggets owner Stan Kroenke. At the end of the day, the event is going to move to the Staples Center in Los Angeles from Denver. And the WWE has been all over the place. Their brand has been all over the place. And I think they kind of come out the winner here. A, because they got a lot of publicity. And B, they're actually going to a better venue, the Staples Center in Los Angeles. Also, the Staples Center wins here, too, because they get a big event. Look, people can laugh at the WWE, and I'm not a WWE fan. I I can't even tell you the last time I watched a wrestling event. But there are a lot of people who watch. Well, you know you know who loses here is all the people in Denver that were stoked to see the WWE. I mean, these events sell out all the time. So now all these people who are going to be reimbursed for their tickets are not going to get to go to the event that they wanted to go to. So it's a bummer for the fans, but you're right. The WWE came out, came out the winner here. Well, so it'll be interesting to see, you know, how this ultimately plays out, if there's any lawsuits or, you know, anything like that. But, you know... I, I find it interesting, usually, you know, and I used to work at the Rose Garden Arena and with the Portland Trailblazers, and what happens at the beginning of the year is there's holds on the arena, and the NBA tenant gets first dibs. So I'm sure the Nuggets had first dibs on the holds, so I find it very fascinating that someone at the Pepsi Center booked this event knowing full well this could be playoff time, and usually, even if a team doesn't look like they're going to make the playoffs. There's still holds, and you don't release the holds until your team has been eliminated from the playoffs. Well, the Nuggets obviously haven't been eliminated from the playoffs, so I want to know who at the Pepsi Center booked this event and basically said, well, we don't think the Nuggets are going to make the Western Conference Finals. We hope they don't. I guarantee you that employee, even though they work for the Nuggets and for Stan Kroenke, who owns the Nuggets, was probably praying that the Nuggets didn't get this far and that this conflict wouldn't arise. Well, talk about going for broke, because if, if the Nuggets don't make it this far, he looks like a hero. He's booked the WWE, which is going to sell out. But on the flip side, now he's in a predicament, and uh, he likely doesn't have his job anymore. Bobby Corser, our producer, uh, weigh in. Let's talk about having no faith in your team. The contract for the WWE was signed and faxed back to them the night of the final game of the regular season. Keep in mind, Denver is a two-seed going into the playoffs. You still have no faith in your team that they're even going to make it. So you go ahead and sign the contract anyways and send it off. This employee is probably in the same place as the White House employee who allowed the photo shoot over New York City. I mean, (laughs) these two employees could just get together and start their own company. These are stupid decisions. Oh, They're ridiculous decisions, but, uh, you know, you live and learn. Well, and again, you know, we talk about sweet success, and it wasn't intended, but you got to give Vince McMahon, who heads up the WE and is a master of publicity. He's like the Donald Trump or the Mark Cuban of his sport. And when he saw a good opportunity to get his league's name out there, his sports name out there, he pounced on it 
And all week long, again, they've gone head-to-head with the NBA and the Denver Nuggets. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, I think they come out ahead because they get a better venue and they got a ton of publicity. Yeah, well, the difference between Vince McMahon and Mark Cuban is that Vince McMahon actually participates in the WWE events. And uh, I don't see Mark Cuban suiting up anytime soon. All right, we want to thank Moose Tracks Ice Cream for sponsoring this edition of Sweet Success. Go to moosetracks.com, click on the store locator, and find the store nearest you selling Moose Tracks ice cream. All right, on a personal note this week, it's been a very interesting week for me. When I'm not hosting Sports Business Radio, I work uh, as uh, the president of my own PR firm. And I've done PR for a long, long time, but I have to say that I don't know that I've ever had a week like this past week. Um, My good friend and my former client, Brian Grant, who used to play in the NBA for 12 years, he played for the Miami Heat, for the Portland Trailblazers, the Lakers, the Suns, and the Sacramento Kings. He has been sitting on a secret, and I've known his secret for the last few months. And his secret is, is that he has been diagnosed with Parkinson's disease. And Brian's a public person, but has struggled with how to come out and reveal his secret. And it's something that, you know, Michael J. Fox had to consider, Muhammad Ali had to consider, and several other high-profile people who have Parkinson's have had to consider. I mean, when when Michael J. Fox was still in movies and still acting, you know, he didn't want to come out because it would have affected his career and maybe his ability to be hired. Well, Brian is retired, so he's in a little bit different uh, situation. But long story short... I have helped Brian Grant orchestrate kind of what happened in the last week. And it's been very, very interesting on a number of different fronts. On the PR front, we worked with a guest on this show and a good friend of mine and someone who I respect the heck out of, Rick Buecher from ESPN. And instead of putting Brian uh, in a press conference where there'd be all the bright lights and many cameras, instead of having him send out a statement where people would probably speculate that, well, maybe things are worse than Brian Grant is letting on because he's not allowing us to see him, we put him in his house and we put the cameras of ESPN on him. And on Sunday morning's edition of Outside the Lines on ESPN, which airs at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific, you'll see Brian Grant's conversation with Rick Buecher. And You know, the weight of the world was lifted from Brian's shoulders after he made this announcement. And again, he was going to have to come out with this at some point because he's a public person. And we figured it's better to be proactive than reactive. A lot of times uh, people come out and react to something. And in this case, if a columnist or someone had come out and speculated and it was something that we didn't want out there, then we're in reaction mode. So we we figured let's get out and, and get ahead of this. The thing to me that's been... The most interesting of of this whole, I guess, case study is we started a website called BrianGrant.org, and we essentially did two things. One is we set up a Facebook page where people could come and send their well wishes to Brian. You know, if you're on Facebook, you know there's a wall, and you can post your comments on a wall, whether it's to your friend or if you're part of a group. Well, as of This show right now, there's over 2,000 people who have gone on to Brian Grant's Parkinson's page just this week and have sent him wishes. And they're not just, hey, I hope you get better soon. They are heartfelt. And they're everywhere from China to Sacramento to Miami to Phoenix to Portland. And it's been interesting to me, Nathan, to see the response virally. I mean, we talk about new media and how, you know, the days of the newspaper 
and radio and TV. It used to be you only got your message out via traditional means. Well, now those days are over and things spread virally and you can send articles to people. And the ability for all these people who adore Brian Grant to come to one place and wish him well on this Facebook page and for him to be able to read those and for those to really lift his spirits. It's been a real uh, phenomenal week in in that regard. Well, yeah, I mean, Facebook and Twitter and all these other social media avenues are the wave of the future, really. And, I mean, I hate to say it this way, but unfortunately bad things happen to good people. But I know Brian Grant uh, is going to be an advocate for Parkinson's disease. He's, you know, if there's one person out there, I mean, he was so active here in the community of Portland. He was beloved by the city of Portland. And that's why I think this news is so devastating to happen to Brian Grant because at a time when the Blazers were known as the Jail Blazers, he was kind of the shining star of that team who was out in the community and doing good things. And I and I believe in my heart of hearts that he's going to be the same advocate for Parkinson's disease that he was for the community of Portland. You know, I used to work for the Portland Trail Blazers, and I went out on my own in 1998, started my own PR firm. And over that time, I've worked with a number of different athletes, mostly through Nike, so it's been, you know, one-time opportunities, everyone from Lance Armstrong to Charles Barkley to Tiger Woods, and, you know, met some really great people. The only athlete that I ever agreed to work with on a full-time basis and represent that athlete as their publicist was Brian Grant. And I'm going to, again, be working with Brian Grant going forward because I want to work with him uh, to really find a cure for Parkinson's and help lead him and guide him in, in so many different ways. But, you know, Brian Grant's a phenomenal person, and if there's anyone meant to take on this battle and find a cure for Parkinson's and join forces with Muhammad Ali, who he's already spoken with, and Michael J. Fox, and people of that ilk, it's Brian Grant. And, you know, this isn't cancer. This isn't AIDS. It is a tough diagnosis. But I think that we are closer to finding a cure for Parkinson's than we are to most any other serious disease out there and I have full confidence that Brian and Muhammad Ali and Michael J. Fox and others are going to get together and they're going to raise money for the research and we're going to get this thing solved. If you want to send Brian Grant your well wishes or you want to find out more about Brian's battle against Parkinson's go to briangrant.org. All right coming up next Paul Swangard he's the managing director of the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon. We're going to talk about Michael Vick Michael Vick, released from prison this week. What may his future hold? We'll discuss that next. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. Hi, this is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. When I'm looking for a place to have dinner with family, friends, or business associates, there's only one restaurant on my list. Morton's The Steakhouse, the best steak anywhere. In its 28th year in business, Morton serves only the finest quality foods, featuring USDA prime-age beef, fresh seafood, hand-picked produce, and decadent desserts prepared to perfection, not to mention the award-winning wine list. When my destination is Morton's, the best is always on the menu, and they treat me like a VIP during every visit, whether in the dining room or the private boardrooms. With almost 75 restaurants conveniently located around the world, Morton's is the gold standard when it comes to steakhouses. To find the Morton's nearest you or to make a reservation, go online to mortons.com. Morton's, the best steak anywhere. 
and the official steakhouse of Sports Business Radio. One-on-one with those making the big-time decisions that impact your sport. This is Sports Sense on Sports Business Radio. Sports Business Radio. We're joined by Paul Swangard, a good friend of the show and the managing director at the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon. Paul, how are you doing? I'm very well, Brad. How are you? Good. Thanks for joining us this week. Happy to do it. Lots of topics to discuss with you. But let's start with Michael Vick. Michael Vick obviously uh, has been in prison, and he's been released from prison this week, and he's on house arrest. But, uh, you know, we're reading Michael Vick may involve himself with the Humane Society. He's going to be doing construction work. He's kind of putting his NFL career on the back burner. I don't know if I believe that, but what do you make of uh, Michael Vick and his future? Well, I think the first thing he needs to do is is just make that transition back into uh, regular society. And for him, you know, pretty much what he had in the way of uh, of a real life before prison was kind of a, a fantasy land for him. And you know, the best thing he can do, hopefully, is surround himself with the kind of people that will keep him grounded in what hopefully was, you know, the lessons he learned uh, while he was in prison. And, you know, I think starting in the way he is, uh, you know, is is the right thing because, you know, anytime you start adding back any ingredient to the life you, you know, that led you to, uh, you know, to what ultimately ended up in prison for him, I think you, you just run the danger of... Uh, you know, putting your toe in the in the deep waters again. So, you know, I, I hope he's, uh, you know, made amends with himself. I, I hope he's genuine in his desire to want to, you know, be back in society and, and make a con- uh, contribution. And obviously you can't argue the kid was uh, a phenomenal athletic talent. And uh, if we all, uh, and we should believe that he's been uh, given the chance to pay his debt to society, then we should at least give him the benefit of the doubt and uh, maybe – uh, the benefit of trying to make some money in the thing he does best, which is play football. We will see, you know, if he wants to return to the NFL, which I think he will, you know, will Commissioner Goodell further penalize him after he served his prison sentence and, and keep him off the field? Uh, and also, if he does go back onto the field, will a team pick him up? But the question I have for you is, let's assume for a minute that he does return to the NFL gridiron. Would you, if you were a corporation, would you touch him in any capacity, or is he just way too toxic? No, I mean you just have you have so many other options at your disposal, and I think uh, at this point uh, he's damaged goods uh, as it relates to sports marketing opportunities. I, I think teams, there are teams out there that um, you know are are teams and communities in which um, you know he would be able to you know have a chance to succeed. I think there's some markets where, you know, it would just be totally unacceptable to heat, to have him even on the team, given the way some uh, fan bases uh, would react to that type of thing. Um, you know, we can only look at our own backyard with, uh, you know, the, the unglory days of the Blazers where you had certain types of athletes that were on the squad that, you know, just, just didn't connect with the community. And, um, you know, I think it, time will tell, but I think he's ultimately going to be probably making most of his money uh, doing what he does best, which is play football, and even if he excels at it, there's going to be very few, maybe outside of just the um, the endemic sponsors to the sport, you know, maybe kids who still aspire to be a great quarterback may still see uh, Michael as aspirational, but the, you know, the consumer brands, those non-endemic brands that want to uh, attach themselves uh, to a football player will probably just say, I've got plenty of other choices, thank you very much. Paul, this is Nathan. Um, let's change gears here for just a second, well, or, or change gears completely to the NHL. We here at Sports Business Radio have been uh, we've been kind of hard on the NHL over the last couple of years, but uh, 
It seems like the NHL is kind of making a comeback. Ratings are up. Interest is certainly up uh, across the country in the games and, and the postseason. Do you think that the NHL is, uh, are they back into the top four uh, major league sports? You know, it's always been tough for them because, and I think you, you raised the point right there in the question, they've always been compared to uh, three leagues where you look at some of their, their basic statistics and, and it's sometimes hard to even put them in that category. Um, and particularly in the television ratings where, you know, even their better TV ratings this year are, you know, even for their playoff games are paling in comparison to like the NFL draft as an example. So, I mean, I think the league is, is, is in a better position than it was before the lockout. It has a better economic system that doesn't penalize the league economically because they don't have the kind of television ratings that uh, some of their uh, comparative leagues do have. Um, you know, there's still some challenges. I think, you know, they're obviously not in the right markets uh, uh, long term, and, and this Phoenix situation is certainly a uh, a major concern for the league, and, and, I, and I'm, I, I certainly understand why they are – somewhat reluctant to want to move an American-based team back north of the border because, you know, obviously the the bulk of the uh, economics that uh, will drive this league long-term is probably going to be in the U.S., and uh, losing those American franchises are, uh, are are things that they probably don't want to do in the, in the short run. You're listening to Sports Business Radio, and we're joined by Paul Swangard, the managing director of the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon. Paul, the NFL and Comcast, they've been battling – for a few years now, they finally reached an agreement this week. They're going to go from basically 2 million viewers to 10 million viewers now after this deal. But the NFL uh, takes a hit financially. How do you think this all comes out in the end? Well, I mean, I think it, it, it does go to show that the NFL doesn't win every battle. Um, I, you know, I think the... Uh, you know the lesson learned here for uh, you know for folks who follow that space is that just because you you know command the kind of television ratings the NFL does, it doesn't um, allow you to sort of dictate terms in uh, in some of these negotiations. The bottom line is what they're getting is a very good deal, and, and Goodell, the commissioner, has been uh, you know putting a positive spin on it. But the you know the 75 cents a subscriber, which was uh, you know, in in one case, the rumored uh, price point that they were looking at, you know, has significantly dropped. They're you know on the digital tier, so they're going to get more penetration, and that's ultimately what the uh, the formula for success is in 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 the cable space. And you know, I, I give credit for Comcast for sticking to their guns, and I think you know over the last couple of years, what we've witnessed is, um, you know, fans on a Thursday or maybe even a Saturday night when they can't watch an NFL game because it's on the NFL network, had other things to do. And, uh, you know, the NFL, I think, was a little bit surprised that maybe the, the fans didn't, you know, riot in the streets because they couldn't see every NFL game that's offered in a regular season. And, and that's just a caution to the wind of the NFL that, you know, it's still a highly competitive market and there's plenty of other options out there for sports fans today to uh, – spend their time, attention, and eventually their money. Well, the other thing this deal does is, you know, Sacramento, Portland, there's other markets around the country that are having battles with Comcast, and the price point is more than other people want to pay. The carriers want to pay for it. So I wonder, you know, look, if the NFL had to eventually cave in, you know, if you're uh, some of these regional sports networks around the country, I think you just kind of look at yourself in the mirror this week and go, gosh, if the NFL had to cave in, maybe it's time I uh, fold the cards as well. 
Yeah, and I think it just it will what will what it will require is that the the t- the TV partners in this case the cable operators and the properties really sit down and and determine a way to to really try to drive incremental value um, in the contract. So rather than it just being you know I'm simply going to pay you X you know X cents a subscriber and then you get the the benefit of of also selling that advertising. You know maybe we create more inventory in uh you know shoulder programming uh coaches shows the uh you know the race to be the new uh blazer dancer whatever the example might be and you know create more of that inventory there's more advertising available to sell and you know if you are willing to take less on the front end to get a higher penetration rate in cable subscribers then you'll ultimately make it up on the back end in the advertising so i i think it's just the the statement that both sides are going to have to work a little bit harder and the days of sort of just handing over a recurring revenue stream that's a little bit inflated uh, and putting the onus on the cable operator to have to make the money back is is probably for most properties a uh, a, a good old yesteryear type of uh, philosophy to negotiating. Paul, before we let you go, uh, sad news since the last time we had you on the show, Jim Warsaw the namesake for the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon, passed away uh, recently. And, you know, I just wanted to talk to you. I've known Jim for a long time, and I know you've known him even longer and much better than I've known him, and you've worked with him very closely. And, you know, what a legacy he's left. But maybe you can just talk for a few minutes about uh, Jim Warsaw, if you would. Well, I appreciate the opportunity to do that, Brian. You know, he was uh, he was a unique individual, and and from the standpoint of, uh, and I'm, I'm sure for many of your listeners, you know, uh, wondering, you know, on the basic premise of why a, a little school out in, in Oregon is, you know, been known as one of the best programs of its kind in the country. And the bottom line is it was Jim. You know, against our competition, uh, you know, our program always had something uh, that differentiated itself, and it was a soul. And, and that soul was, you know, Jim's, uh, you know, vision and his tenacity to, uh, want to do something a little bit different in the space of sports business education, which was to embed uh, that field of study inside of a business school, which had never been done before when he started the program in 1993. And then by virtue of his relationships that he had forged in the you know the decades of work that he had under his father and then later in running uh, the company Sports Specialties with his brother Robert, you know he had forged some pretty remarkable relationships inside of the uh, uh, of the sports world, and you know, I I was always struck and uh, amazed by the impact that just Jim picking up the phone and you know, literally calling the David Stearns and the Roger Goodells and the Tagliabues um, and the rest of them, um, and saying, you know, you're going to pay attention to us and you're going to create opportunities for our students and you're going to engage with our students uh, when we come out to New York or the other places we went. Um, you know, he just wouldn't accept no for an answer and in some ways bullied his way into uh, <laughs> being relevant in this space. But, you know, bottom line, the benefit that has um, what really will be his lasting legacy is that everyone who benefited from it were, you know, were the students who uh, ultimately got a phenomenal education, you know, at the university and the business school, but also had the opportunity to engage um, as you and your listeners get the benefit of, you know, each and every week on your show, um, you know, it's one thing to read about what people do, and it's a, and, a, and another way to you know study about what they do. But it's a whole other thing when you can actually sit with them and have a discussion about what they do, and, and the learning value of that, and the confidence that kids get when they have walked out of the Olympic Tower in New York and have engaged 
you know, Commissioner Stern over, you know, NBA China or, um, you know, fill in the blank. It, it, I just, you just couldn't put a price on it. And, uh, you know, Jim will be missed, but, uh, uh, you know, waged two really great battles, uh, both with the center and, and its existence and as well with his Parkinson's disease, which, uh, you know, was ultimately what uh, he succumbed to in, in, in April when he passed away. And uh, it'll be, uh, we'll be hard-pressed to fill the void, and, and I'm just hopeful that uh, the industry will always remember uh, what he meant to them. And, and the students who've been a product of our program, I certainly think, will we'll carry on his legacy quite nicely. Yeah, he was such a champion when it came to uh, Parkinson's. I mean, as I mentioned earlier in the show, Brian Grant, who's my friend and client, revealed this week that uh, – He's got Parkinson's, and he's battling Parkinson's, and I just always respected Jim so much for what he did in the battle against Parkinson's and how he still, you know, maintained his his life with such integrity and such, uh, you know, he just had great relationships with everyone. That always struck me about him. Well, and, and and he did more with the disease than he probably did without it. And I think the lesson that, you know, that I take away from the the time that I've known him is, uh, you know, it's it's using the off-use line that uh, Jimmy Valvano used. You know, you never give up, and and you you know you take what hand is dealt you, and uh, you you don't waste the time and and waste the gift of of time. And uh, and I think you know to to think of all the things that he accomplished. You know, and, and never at any point ever complaining about you know having the disease or resenting the fact that he had the disease was. You know, not only an inspiration for us, but I think an inspiration for a number of people who had also been affected by the disease that when they came in contact with Jim, both felt um, at ease that they had somebody that they could uh, call a friend and, a, and an inspiration, but also truly believed as he did, and, and hopefully with the work that folks like Brian Grant and others uh, will do moving forward, is this is a disease that can be be- beaten. And uh, we all hope in our lifetime uh, in honor of folks like Jim and others uh, who are afflicted with the disease that will find a way uh, medically to, to turn the corner on this one. Because it's just, it's really sad um, to see the, you know, the degenerative effect of that disease. And, and those folks deserve better. And we hope we'll find a way to give them longer and healthier lives. Well, I can tell you, I'm going to be spending a lot of my time uh, trying to help find a cure for Parkinson's going forward. Well, Paul, thank you so much for dropping by. And uh, it's always good to catch up with you. Thanks, guys. Thank you very much. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be back with our final segment. This is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. We live in an age where everything is on the record. What we say anywhere, whether it's in an elevator, in an email, or during a conversation with a reporter, is now being broadcast instantaneously on YouTube, in a blog, or through the mass media. It's easier than ever to spot someone who has been traditionally media trained and is just giving you that same old boring PR speak. I want to help you navigate the tricky media landscape. When I'm not hosting Sports Business Radio, I team with former Nike PR director Lee Weinstein to form Evergreen Media Training. Evergreen Media Training assists individuals and groups by offering unique preparation and training catered to your specific needs. From explaining today's media environment to providing you with post-training, monitoring, and feedback, we'll guide you every step of the way. With nearly 40 years of combined experience working with some of the biggest names in the sports industry, we'll help you communicate your messages honestly, thoughtfully, and from the heart. For an overview and a list of services, visit evergreenmediatraining.com or email me at brian at sportsbusinessradio.com. The website is sportsbusinessradio.com. Well, as Michael Vick waits for a second chance in the NFL, the Humane Society of the United States, the nation's largest animal welfare group, 
has decided to offer Vic the opportunity to help prompt change in society. Wayne Parcell, president and CEO of the Humane Society, says the group plans to partner with Vic in developing programs aimed at eliminating dog fighting. Nathan, your thoughts? Oh, I think that this is great. And, uh, you know, I think that this is exactly what I would tell Michael Vick to do if I was his spokesperson or his publicist, because I think the number one thing is to is for him to rehabilitate or be rehabilitated in the eyes of all of his fans. And that's the first step. And then we'll then show it, remorse Well, and show remorse, which I think he did. In, I believe that Michael Vick is remorseful, and I believe that he served his debt to society, and I believe he should be able to play football again. It's amazing to me that there's so many people out there that, that commit crimes against other human beings, and yet Michael Vick is being persecuted more than any of those people. So I think he should play in the NFL again. Well, and look, as I say on the show all the time, we are the most forgiving society in the world. Kobe Bryant, Marv Albert. Ray Lewis. I mean, the list goes on and on of people that have been involved in scandal of some sort, have been thrown onto the trash heap. They rehabilitate their careers and they come back and and they're very successful. So definitely don't underestimate Michael Vick. All right. Thank you to Paul Swangard for joining us this week. I want to thank our show staff, Nathan Roach, Bobby Corser, Josh Blank, Darren Peck, Ron Barr, James Harrison, Doug Zanger. Our sponsors, Moose Tracks Ice Cream. Go to Moose Tracks Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon, Morton's The Steakhouse, and Evergreen Media Training, a podcast reminder. You can catch our show on demand via podcast every week. Just go to sportsbusinessradio.com and click on the podcast page. Become our Facebook friend. Follow me via Twitter. Go to sportsbusinessradio.com. Click on the blog, and you can find us there. I'm Brian Berger. Have a fantastic week. We'll talk to you next week on Sports Business Radio. Greg Oden of the Portland Trailblazers supports the Ronald McDonald Houses. I'm a big fan of the houses. Happy to help them make a difference. He helps because he believes every hospitalized child should be near their family in tough times. And everyone can support this home away from home. When you purchase a McCafe Espresso drink or premium roast coffee, McDonald's donates a portion of proceeds to Ronald McDonald House charities in Oregon and Southwest Washington. At participating McDonald's for a limited time. A little change can make a big difference. Sports Business Radio talks to the people who call the shots in the world of sports. My guest is Dallas Mavericks owner Mark Cuban. Let's go back to the year 2000, the year before you bought the Mavericks. They were 40 and 42. Fan interest was pretty lukewarm. When you bought this team, what did you see in this team? What was the potential that you saw to get them to where they are today? Probably none. Brian Berger goes one-on-one with the biggest names. My guest is Dr. Miles Brand, the president of the NCAA. I think the reason why we have a BCS-type system in Division 1A and elsewhere we have playoffs is that the schools in Division 1A feel that the regular season is the most important aspect of football. Read the Sports Business blog and listen to SBR On Demand at SportsBusinessRadio.com. See, I think that's the big thing. Sports Business Radio, Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> or online at sportsbusinessradio.com.